listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current, and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here, and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we've got David Leo joining us, who uh, has been hosting for the last few weeks. <laughs> happy Wednesday, everyone. So, I'm happy back. Wednesday, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's different for me to be back in the studio with you, David. Yes, yes. Um, you should, I feel like I should be asking you, uh, <laughs> welcoming you, uh, Jason, after three weeks away. <laughs> how, was your, how was your trip in Croatia, and uh, what, it was, was, what was it interesting was pretty about? busy. Uh, yeah, we got around. We we went to a couple of other places as well. We went over to Venice for a couple of days and, um, and back through Slovenia. But, yeah, most of our time was spent in Croatia, and, of course, the primary purpose of our visit was to go to a wedding yeah, beautiful. Uh, ceremony, which was lovely, and that was sort of in the middle of the the time as well so lots of fascinating history and interesting buildings dating back to the roman era really mm, um, mm. a lot of a lot of some of what we saw was uh, some of the buildings that were built by the romans and then of course there's been a lot of history between then and now so things have been uh, fought over and uh, destroyed and rebuilt and repaired and yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. in the last hundred years, there's been many changes of uh, borders and countries and governments. Yeah, so. that's amazing. The changing of hands, yeah. one, one one empire to the other. Mm, absolutely. Far out. But uh, yeah, one thing that I I saw that can't can't get over. We don't have it here in Australia, but so many uh, church buildings, cathedrals. Mm. You know, so many. Even in uh, some of these small towns, you would have you know several, five or six. Uh, Cathedrals in a matter of you know just kilometres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I presume there's a lot of worship too. Then I assume so. <laughs> I, uh, um, I don't know if they're all of the same uh, you know denomination yeah. or whether there was different denominations, but uh, yeah. So lots of cathedrals and some you know quite amazingly spectacular buildings, uh, particularly over in Venice. Some of the the wow. buildings are just uh, it's it's hard to describe them. Yeah. yeah you you're yeah. saying before that. It looks like it took a lot of skill. A lot, a lot of skill, of, a lot of resources. Uh, yeah, of resources. And the one that you said that was built in the middle of the lake, you know, like they would have had to transport yep. building materials and things like that. And, uh, yeah, in the 13, 12, <clears throat> 12 or 1300s, there's uh, one cathedral built on this tiny island in the middle of a lake. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And it's uh, incredibly relevant to what we're talking about today because this is the last segment of the Minor Prophets. Mm. And we're looking at a Minor Prophet that you've looked at before. Yeah. You said you started with Natalie a while ago. Uh, it's the Book of Haggai. It's an interesting name, Haggai. And Haggai is actually probably, he's really interesting because um, in comparison to the other prophets, according to the Book of Haggai, he only speaks for three months. You know, you've got Isaiah and Jeremiah that speak over 50, 50 years, years, and yeah. you've got uh, Zephaniah and whatnot that it's over a few years. But, um, yeah, Haggai, he's only called for, his, his message is for a short moment, and it carries on for a long time. And what's it got to do with the building? <clears throat> well, this is some interesting history. You just talk about the changing of hands, right? Mm. When it came to, the, when it came to the, um, the Israelites or the Jews, you know, they went through uh, warnings from Isaiah, Jeremiah. They got conquered. Um, the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. The Babylonians destroyed their temple. 
uh, took them took them away from their homes, dispersed them into different areas, you know, uh, and then as they as they grew in Babylon and they settled in Babylon, along came Cyrus, King Cyrus, and King Cyrus gave permission and said, "You can go back to your homeland and start rebuilding." And by that time, if you read Ezekiel uh, twenty nine. Um, the prophecy from Ezekiel 29, he says to the Babylonians, look, um, uh, to the Jews, you can stay here and prosper and you know, bless your neighbors and whatnot. And so you've got a whole heap of Jews now that are flourishing in Babylon. So they're happy to live in Babylon. Mm. You know, things, things are great there. But then a word comes and it's, uh, do you remember who that person was that sent up a quick prayer to the Lord and said, give me the boldness that I need to ask this question. Uh, you talk about Daniel? Uh, no. no. Starts with N. One of our listeners, uh, Nehemiah. Yeah, all right. Yep. That's the answer, Nehemiah. So he's <laughs> the one that asked the question, and he's and you know the, the answer comes back. Yeah, you can do that. In fact, I'm going to help you out. In fact, let me give you some uh, resources to help you out. Yeah. And so for for those years, the, the uh, Jews that are inspired to go back, they start rebuilding, and uh, it comes to the book of Haggai. And what's happening here? After 14 years of rebuilding, they feel like they're not getting anywhere. Well, my understanding is that only sort of worked on the foundations at that point. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so they're thinking, oh, this, we're not getting, we're not making much ground here. They'd sort of give it up. Yeah. So, well, they had, they mm. basically had, you know, they, they lost the vision. Mm. Yeah, they lost the vision of 14 years. And, you know, there were, um, and, and there were only 50,000 Jews that actually responded to the call of Nehemiah. Mm. We'll come with you. We want to, we want to have our, Identity back. We want to be those people that we've heard about back in the time of uh, King David. That's where that's where we want to be again. And so, fifty thousand of them came, and they came for the right motives. Their, their motives was to restore their identity and be faithful to God again. But as they uh, started doing the project, and they started seeing uh, the money that's going into it, they started realizing, well, the Babylonians destroyed a lot of trees. We've got to import the, the trees from Lebanon, and, you know, all the cedar trees, and they've got to do all this. Things became quite difficult. After 40 years, they just thought, you know what? Um, maybe I'll change my focus on my own house. Mm. <laughs> and started, they really started building their own house. And so Haggai is coming at a time where he's, he's about to tell the people, hey, listen, you've lost the vision. Do not Stop. We must continue building. Something something's gone wrong. So if we could if we could read from um if we could read from Haggai one verses one to six, please, Jason. We'll get some ideas. Sure. It uh it's titled we're reading from the New International Version and it's titled A Call to Build the House of the Lord. Uh, it says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek. Is that right? Josedek, yep. the high priest. Okay, we'll just pause pause there for, for a second. Mm. So it's important that the, the Bible mentions that it's the second year of King Darius mm. because when... It changed when, when their um, leadership changed from Cyrus to Darius, Darius needed the resources so he withheld all the uh all the help that and the aid that was given that originally given because he was starting wars and things around so he was like oh i can't afford to help you guys out so they were basically left to their own devices so now i was like oh we i mean okay let's listen carefully to what i'm about to, about to say we don't have the government help now there's no point going ahead mm. right mm. we still fall for that trick you know mm. we still think Oh, you know, the government's not going to help us. We're not going to get government funding in this, or I'm not going to get the uh, parental payment that blah, 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 so I can't 
can't go ahead, you know. And, and I suppose I'm trying to make that point because we forget that we are servants of God. For those of us that follow Jesus, there's a higher authority <laughs> than the government. You know what I mean? There's a higher authority than King Darius. But <clears throat> now that their resources from the government was taken away, that was another good excuse for them to say, oh, project's done. We can't mm. finish finish this project that we dreamed of. So, uh, yes. <clears throat> so then uh, verse 2, it says, yep. this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Oh man, some of this counsel sounds uh, very, very uh, relevant to our our time, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, and, and this is important. The, the, it says in um, Haggai, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. He didn't get a vision. He didn't get a dream or anything like that. It, it was so, well, he was given some insight. There's a problem here, mm. and he acted upon that. So mm. he's he spoke a word not like Ezekiel, not like um, Zephaniah, not like it was. He observed something, and the Lord said, "Hey, I need you to speak up for my for my uh, sakes. Tell it especially to Zerubbabel, who's the governor of Judah. Basically, the governor is the he's a prince. He's from the the princely line of David, right? But he can't be king or royal leadership because they're under the empire of Darius. Mm-hmm. So he's called a governor. Mm-hmm. And Joshua is a high priest. He's the religious leader. I was trying not to go off a tangent here, but." Yeah, this is this is important. Uh, Zerubbabel means seed of Babylon. So he was somebody that was born in Babylon, but he still had to drive to be a Jew, right? Mm. He still had to drive. And then we have Joshua the high priest. And the, the two of them coming together, the seed of Babylon coming together as Joshua the high priest, or Yahashua, or, you know, in the Greek rendition, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Right, Jesus. And so when the seed of Babylon comes together with Jesus, there are some amazing things that can happen, right? There's amazing things that go forward. And I've always, I can't believe the section's nearly over. We're going to, have to talk some more about it in our next segment, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. We will do that. Now, of course, remember that uh, you can go back and have a listen to the past episodes while I've been away. David's done a few. And uh, was it Zephaniah that you did last time? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, do go back and have a listen to those episodes on our website, faithfm.com.au or the Faith FM app. Now, we've got a question for you today. It's, what is a project that you've been inspired to be active in? Mm. That's a great question, and we'd love to hear from you today. What's a project that you've been inspired to be active in? Text us in on 0488880891. We would love to hear for you, uh, from you this morning. This first song is Be Thou My Vision by Sila. It's a beautiful song. It's mm. one of my favourite hymns, and this is a beautiful version of it. Save that thou art, thou. 
Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM. And today we're speaking with David Leo and we're studying the book of Haggai. Mm. Now, uh, David, we were talking during the break about that beautiful hymn that we just listened to and the lyrics apparently come way back from uh, somewhere between, they say, the 4th and 8th century. Yeah, when you told me I got goosebumps. Um, it was only translated into English in uh, in the early 1900s and mm. set to an Irish folk tune, so... That is amazing. Every time I'm going mm. to sing that song now, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be singing with so much history. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, oh, man, I love it. There is so much history in, yeah. in a lot of the music and uh, <clears throat> a lot of the buildings that we were talking, talking about, about earlier as well. Yeah. And uh, we're on this topic of rebuilding the temple yeah. um, in Jerusalem. And, and, and what's important, I, th- I didn't mention this in the last segment, but um, what's important is we need to know the motive behind why God's calling this out because... And, uh, you know, after 400, 400 years of slavery in Egypt, um, he needed to restore his relationship with his people. And he called Moses, and in Exodus 25, verse 4, he says, Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst you. The whole purpose of the sanctuary so he could fellowship with his people. That was, that's the drive. So right now, I just think of this verse now. I, I believe it's Proverbs 29, verse 18. Hopefully our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, it says, Without vision... My people perish. Mm-hmm. And God can see this. His people are perishing, so he needs to call upon Haggai, remind them of the vision, remind them of the revelation that I've given to rebuild uh, Jerusalem. 
what what uh, uh, twenty nine I think it's twenty nine verse thirteen, um, <clears throat> and so the the motive behind God asking His people to rebuild Jerusalem, um, oh that's not the right one, no. but uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, it is written as Jesus would say, it is yeah. written. The Bible does say, without vision or without revelation, the people will perish. So God's asking, rebuild this sanctuary so I can dwell amongst you, and and, and don't just do a don't do a half job, mm. <laughs> you know, like uh, He says. You're living in panelled houses now. Yeah. Now, apparently, this means that they were houses, quite luxurious houses. They yes. Weren't, they weren't just basic. That's right. Houses. Yeah, yeah. They they were now, uh, and this means too that some of that wood that mm. they were that they somehow got a hold of and mm. possibly imported from Lebanon, mm. they were using it for their panels, mm. right? They were using it for their houses, and uh, you know, and, and the attitude here is, if you could just imagine the attitude. Oh, we can't go forward with God's house, so we might as well use the resources and time for our own purposes. You know, like how we could fall in that trap well, quite quite well, quickly. It, it makes me wonder if we do fall into that trap. You know, we today I think our expectations of our personal living is is pretty high. Oh yeah, we live in yeah. nice places. We have all the mod cons, as they as they say. You know, mod cons. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. All the modern conveniences. Yeah, and. Uh, our houses are often, you know, newly built, and yep. um, and and yet our churches are are not. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You know, like I think along the lines, trying to trying to put myself in their shoes. They've lived in Babylon. They've flourished. They're doing well. You know, they they have this uh, drive. Oh yes, let's restore our identity. Let's return to God. And when they get there, it's not working out as they thought it would. They're not mm. getting as many resources as they thought. They're not getting help from the government. Uh, things are just not rolling the way it should be. And they return to default, how they lived in Babylon. You know? And so Babylon baby basically came with them to Jerusalem. That's mm. <laughs> the, the Babylon culture. Mm. And uh, Haggai's come to say, hey, no, 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 none of that. Let's move on. Mm. And so let's look at Haggai uh, 7. Uh, sorry, Haggai 1, verses 7 to 14. And we see that there are people that are influenced by Haggai's uh, harsh work. Oh, harsh? Yeah, they were. They were kind of, kind of harsh, you know. Look at, look at your houses. They're nice. My house is in ruin. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, uh, 7 to 14, please. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought, Give careful thought again. to your ways. Once again, yep. go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and all the labour of your hands. And what verse are we going to? To 14. Okay. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, 
the high priest and the, the whole remnant of people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Mm. Then Haggai, uh, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheetiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Mm. On the 24th day, oh, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the last one. Continuing on. Yeah. So what you see here then is... Um, Actually, I made a mistake. I, I made a mistake before. These are actually Zerubbabel's the son of the governor, so he's yes. not actually the governor right now. Yeah. And also, Joshua is is the son, son. of the high priest. Yes. But it's giving us a bit of an introduction. I, I slipped. I actually, I actually ruined the end of the movie for everyone because <laughs> we, we we actually see where these two are heading. But the two of them remind me of uh, Joshua and Caleb. Mm-hmm. If you know the story of the twelve spies, they went in. To see the land of Canaan. Oh, let me digress a little bit more. I'm sorry, listeners. Let me digress a little bit more. What we're finding here is the same journey that these remnant of Babylonians coming back to Jew uh, to to their homeland is the same journey that um, Abraham took, right? Ah. Going out to the to the yeah, it's on the on the fringes, going there and returning to the land that the Lord will give will give them. It's a it's a uh, it's like a it's like a circle, like a full circle, and so these two. They become influenced by Haggai's word, and they say, yes, this is true. I believe, I'm convicted in my heart, this is God's word, and they rouse up the people. And what we find here is, when the right people are influenced, and they listen to God's word, we also have a conviction that we know what's right. You know, sometimes sometimes we're just teetering on the edge, and it takes that one person just to make that make that uh, statement or say, hey, this is what we've got to do. Um, and, you know, that's enough to go, yeah, that's right. This is the, the voice of the Lord that's speaking to me. I've got to do this. Yeah, and so Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel and, and Joshua are main players now. They're going to they're going to move forward the prophecy of God to have this new temple built. And it's, a, uh, it's an amazing thing. It reminds me of a, um, <clears throat> when I was early in my Christian walk, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was going to a church and, and the vision was to rebuild uh, to build a new church somewhere else because our, ch- our church was becoming too small for um, for the number of people that, that were coming. And one of the leaders there, he's uh, he's amazing. He, he was our treasurer, and he's quite. Um, I had to try and get used to his aggressive nature because he would talk quite bluntly. He didn't, you know, he didn't quite filter his mm. his words. Um, but in his actions, you knew he was a caring guy. Mm. Like you just knew that he looked out for you. He was, you know, um, looked for the looked after families. He would visit us and ask if everything was okay and things like that. But he had the, he created this vision, and everyone jumped on board and said, "Yeah, we want to we want to do the same thing. Let's do this. This is this is amazing." And in about one and a half years, or just over one and a half years, I remember it didn't, we didn't actually quite reach two years. We had raised a hundred thousand dollars, and I remember being in the business meeting and, and thinking, "Wow." This is incredible. And we did some, we did some questionable things. I mean, uh, I, I asked the question, why are we selling Cadbury chocolates? You know, like <laughs> we did door to door, like three Sundays a month, you know, all the kids are sent out and we're like, oh man. And we're selling boxes and boxes. We're doing car washing. We're doing all types of, all types of things to, um, raise money to, to get this new, new building. And the amount of opposition, 
right? Mounts of opposition that came with it. The, uh, the, the naysayers, the members of the churches that started saying, you know what, uh, this isn't going to work and this is, and, uh, I got to see it for myself. And in the end, do you know who, who benefited from this fundraiser? Everyone. Mm. The naysayers, the, the, the ones that didn't do any fundraising, <laughs> everyone, everyone benefited from this. But I will never forget this leader. He's, he's been an incredible, uh, influence on me about, um, because I remember having my doubts. I was thinking, you can't get that type of money in three years time. Mm. That's, what's this guy thinking? You know, and, and he was constantly driving, just constantly encouraging and saying this, this is where we're at, showing us the updates. This is, this is where it's going. And we were encouraged by that, mm. you know, and, um, it requires a vision, and, and here it yeah. says in verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the Spirit. Yeah. I think, you know, when God puts something on our hearts, amazing things can happen. Absolutely. And uh, so often we, we in our own mentality, in our own thinking, we limit God. We Amen. limit what we think That's right. can be achieved. That's right. But God can do amazing things. Yeah, and you can see it happen. You know, what you're saying, it's... Happened way back then too. You know, mm. they just thought, we can't do this anymore. Mm. Haggai comes to remind spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua. Yes, we can. Let's let's do this. Mm. And now we've got some people ready, ready to move forward. This is a uh, this is inspiring. I, I love this type of you know they, these type of people and these type of projects when mm. I see it happening. Yeah. Remember our question for you this morning. What's a project that you've been inspired to be involved in? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488-880891. We've got a book offer coming up. It's called The Sanctuary, Pure and Simple. So stay tuned for that. We'll give you more details shortly. And uh, we'll give you a code to be able to claim that book. This is Build Your Kingdom by Adam Baker. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. And uh, today we're talking with David Leo. We've been talking about the rebuilding of the temple in uh, Jerusalem under the inspiration and the leadership, I guess, of Haggai. Yeah. 
This is uh, Haggai chapter. There's only two chapters in Haggai, and we we've just covered uh, chapter one. And I think we're about to go on to chapter two. Yes, we are. Yeah, and you um, you mentioned in the break just then, and it's important. You said wasn't the opposition already there? And you said yes, you're right. There were people in the area who were uh, they wanted to be part of the project, and then because I think they were worried about being sort of uh, corrupted or, you know, they wanted the purity of the temple, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Nehemiah wants to keep it pure because the Samaritans, there were Jews that were dispersed in different areas and they married other people from other countries. So they, they brought less, in different practices that's right, into and, their worship. And they had what you call, I suppose, half-caste, you know, so we could, we would say, oh, you know, if you're like the coloreds in South Africa, they're neither black, neither white. So they've given them a new thing and say, oh, you don't belong in either camp, you know, which is a harsh place to be, but that's how the Samaritans were somewhat treated, and that's why, you know, you come to Jesus' time, and he talks about the good Samaritan, that's that's offensive. How mm. dare you say, how can they be good when they don't Samaritan belong in yeah, yeah. yeah, so, you know, Jesus is, uh, he's, he's busting down all those walls, but that's a good point. They had that opposition as well, and if you remember, they were really upset that Cyrus was helping them out, so they must be happy now that Darius is not helping them out. Mm. So, you know, and, and, and there's another there's another excuse. Oh, these guys are so difficult. Uh, yeah, perhaps it is the wrong time. Like in Haggai, Haggai tells them in, in chapter one, they've, they've conceded in themselves. Maybe we jumped the gun. Maybe we came too early. Maybe this is not the time. So that, they're coming up with all the excuses. That's a really important lesson too, isn't it? That sometimes when uh, we have a vision in our, particularly in our church organizations, and yeah. uh, we face some opposition, it's really easy to get into the thinking of, well, must, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think sometimes when we face opposition, it actually means that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing, Jason, that I've, I've found for anyone that's listening to that might be part of these type of projects, when it's not just you, mm. when God has put this on the heart of many. two, three, yeah, yeah. four, and you get opposition, but there's that many of you that have the same, there's something about that. You know, that's, what, that's how God creates community. I mean, Haggai's not by himself. You know, you got Zephaniah, you got uh, Habakkuk, you got all these guys around them saying the same thing. Mm. And in fact, Zerubbabel and Joshua are mentioned in the book of Ezra, where the project is actually complete. And I've just ruined the movie again. This is when they actually are the leaders, right? This is when they're the governor and the high priest. Um, but in Haggai 2 verse 3, we read something uh, pretty, we're going to look at some pretty special things here. It says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Okay, so who who would be the after what twenty to thirty years? Uh, who would be the people that saw the full well, glory of Babylon? Well, the former temple that would have been before it was uh, trashed Smashed, by the Babylonians. Yeah. So that was another seventy years before that. Is that right? Yeah. So the only people that could possibly have seen it, uh, there's not many of them left. They'd be very old. They'd be very old, yeah. right? Yeah. And I suppose one of the things, because I, I know my kids hate hearing it now. I'm, I mean, I'm only 43, but, you know, I'm already, I'm already saying things like, you know, back in my day, we never had these devices. You know, we're out of the, back we're out of the creek. You know, yeah. back in my day, <laughs> back in my, you know, and, and you, you know, I remember being a youngster, and even, even when I hear it sometimes now, you know, like when the older folks tell me, but I like hearing the stories. Yeah. I said, oh, back in my day, the golden ages, you know, mm. the golden years. And, uh, you know, I do get nostalgic. I do hate it when I'm looking at my house and I've got, or three kids on devices and possibly my wife yeah. and myself and I'm like what are we doing like yeah. what are you let's go outside and do something you know like we didn't even have that option back in the days but he's saying did you see the former glory of what this temple looked like mm. 
you know, and, and the old folk would have seen, oh, you should have seen what Solomon did. Solomon mm. did this and that. And, oh, these four bulls he bought from Lebanon, he bought from Ethiopia, he got from the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, um, Asian continents. He got all these, oh, wow, you know, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, but look at this. <laughs> look, what, look what you built. You know, it's, it's not much. It was, they only just laid the foundations. There wasn't much to it. But in verse 9, see what the Lord says. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Wow. Okay. So just when we thought uh, God was kind of saying a thing like, uh, you know, I, I still remember doing this, uh, and I'll never make the same mistake again. The first time my wife prepared my, my clothes for church, and I picked up the pants and that's not how my mum irons it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they went down like a lead balloon. Yeah, I reckon. But um, you know, just when you think God's doing that to his people, he's actually telling them, hey, even though you've given up on the project, even though this is a half job, I'm telling you, even though this is less glorious than the former temple, it's going to be better than the one before. So is he talking about when Herod restored the temple, or is he talking about the final, the New Jerusalem? He's he's working towards the New Jerusalem. Right. I, I I truly believe this because when we talk about uh, Zerubbabel in the last, we're going to talk about Zerubbabel and his uh, signet ring. There's something there's something about that. Mm. But let's look at let's look at why he says this, and we'll go to verse um, verse fifteen and sixteen. We've got that same. Same theme coming yeah. through again. Now give careful thought to mm. this from this day on. Consider how things were before, before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to wine to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. Yeah. I struck all the work of your hands. Is that where you want to go? He, just, going? So, no, he's saying, so he's saying before, you know, when he, when he said... You work for your wages, but it's like there's holes in your purses. You didn't have you know, enough. You don't have, have yeah. enough. He said that you you plant you plant to have a uh, hundred acres of corn, but when you come, there's only fifty mm. fifty acres. Mm. You grow grapes, fifty acres of grape, but you, when you come to harvest, there's only twenty five acres. Saying so everywhere you expect to have more, there was less. Mm. You know, and what was the reason? He gives in verse 17, 18, 19, It was me. I did it because. According to, oh, this is this is actually a good riddle. We'll look at uh, why why God mentions this. But He's saying it's not me that it's not me that caused this. It's not the wrong timing. All those excuses that we've come up with, none of that is true. The truth is, well, let's look at this riddle. Uh, verses um, uh, verses eleven to thirteen, please. Oh, thirteen, fourteen, fourteen. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold attaches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Ooh, this is this is a big call now, mm. right? This is a big call. <clears throat> Basically, as Riddle says, 
uh, and this is the Jewish the Jewish purity laws. Um, if you have something that's consecrated, just like you said, and that touches something that's unclean, does it make the unclean unconsecrated? And they said, no, not according to our laws. It says, but if I touch a dead body, which is con- considered uh, unclean, yeah. if I go and touch something else, does that make it unclean? They said, yes, according to our rules. And he says, well, the reason why there's no blessings happening here in this project is because you come building these things, but your hearts are defiled. And this is, this, you know, in the current in the current um, worship uh, that we have as Christians, we can say it like this, as a preacher, should I be preaching about marriage when my marriage is on the rocks right now? Should I be preaching about, um, you know, how, how important it is to have your children love you, and then when I get home, I treat them like trash? Mm. You know, like they're not, you know, does that, is, is, is my preaching being under... Is that undefiled? Mm. My answer, according to this, is yes. Like we, the, the the change needs to happen in in dark in order to for it to be real in light. Mm. I mean, does that does that make sense? I mean, yeah, absolutely. So it's got to be genuine change. It's got to be from the heart. That's right. Uh, it's almost like uh, when Jesus met the woman at the well. He said, that "There'll come a time when people worship me in truth and in spirit." spirit. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, it's not just about going through the motions. Correct. There has to be a real, genuine heart change. And there's and there's truth to that. You know, there's um, it's, it's pretty harsh. I mean, I shared my testimony not too long ago when mum and dad called me out on, hey, you're an early teen teacher and you're also a deacon, but you're doing this? That's not how it works. You know, I was like, oh, why out? You know, my, my, my Western heart said, how dare you judge me? You can't judge me. You know, like, but in all honesty, I knew in my heart of hearts, they're right. I need to be I need to be right with the Lord in order to do the work that He's called me to do, which is um, which is a hard one too. Like I've I've had my moments in in leadership where I've had to ask somebody that's leading out in song. You know, they they they're leading out in song, and I find out that they're doing things that are questionable in their lifestyle. And I think, hey, listen, you're leading people and worshiping God, and yet you're doing this. What type of spirits coming through with me? And they've been some, you know, they did the, how do you judge me? You can't do this. Like, wow. I said, listen, but just we want people to worship God. This and, and God is calling them out and saying, if you're going to work on this building, I need your heart to change. I want you to do it out of the spirit of truth, like you said. And that's a that's a big call to each and every one of us to to be able to do this. What, what are your thoughts on that, Jason? Do you think it's wrong to call people out on that and say? No, I think, I think, um, I mean, it's difficult because, oh, it is. And, and I think, in fact, in our in our church um, environment, sometimes we hesitate to call people out mm-hmm. because, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'm not perfect. Yeah. And so do I have a right to uh, to challenge Same anyone thing. else? Yeah. And that's my sort of, uh, that's where I come from, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I know that I have uh, flaws in my life, so it's it's hard to uh, to you know yeah point the finger as i say like take the speck out of your own eye. take the log out of your own eye while instead of uh, focusing on the speck in someone else's but i think i think um where someone i guess is not acknowledging of you know something like people struggle sure. with different things but if somebody uh, is trying to you know cover it up not deal with it not uh, you know yeah or just openly openly promote regard. Yeah, 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 have, have careless regard, then yeah. I think that that's a, that's, that is an issue. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I, I hate to point it out to you, uh, Jason, but 
uh, people like Nehemiah and Haggai weren't 100% perfect either. Mm. <laughs> you know, but, but they obeyed the word of the Lord that you know, they had to take it through. It's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it more in the next segment. Our book offer today is The Sanctuary Pure and Simple. It's by Kenneth Cox. And sitting in the middle of the camp of Israel was the tabernacle of Israel, the center of everyday life with its rituals that pointed forward to the Lamb of God. This the people accepted by faith. The plan of salvation has not changed. Just as they look forward by faith to his first coming, we look back in faith to his life and death in our behalf and forward in faith to the promise of his second coming. Therefore, there are great lessons to be learned from these object lessons God gave the children of Israel. So in this book, uh, Kenneth Cox looks at how the plan of salvation has not changed. Today, by faith, we look back to his life and, of course, we look forward to his second coming. This is uh, written for anyone who wants to understand the sanctuary and learn the lessons for today from the object lessons that God gave the children of Israel. Mm. There's so much to be learned Lots. from the sanctuary. It's such a good key um, to understand the plan of salvation. I've studied a few times and I still feel like there's so much to learn about. Mm. So after the break, we'll give you the code. This is Jesus Open Our Eyes by Carly Fletcher. Are we too busy making friends with the world? Getting so comfortable that we forget why we're here. Are we distracted by our treasures and toys and things that annoy that we can't see eternal things? Jesus, open our eyes to the things unseen for this world is temporary.
Charlie Fletcher featuring Anna Beden. I, met, I failed to mention Anna Beden before. She was the main singer in that one. And uh, we promised that after the break we'd give you the code for our book offer today. Uh, the book offer is called The Sanctuary, Pure and Simple. And the code for today is MINOR5. number five. That's M-I-N-O-R and the number five, no spaces. Text that into 0488-880-891. It's a great book to learn about the sanctuary and the, the meaning. It's full of meaning, the sanctuary. Oh, big time. It's amazing. And, of course, we've been talking about that in terms of the rebuilding, the importance of rebuilding this, uh, this temple mm-hmm. that uh, was the sanctuary. Yeah. And so you're just touching on that. The rebuilding, we said the motive was for Jesus to um, fellowship with his people again, mm. but not only so, that they understood the plan of salvation. Mm. And so I, I highly recommend you get this book to uh, get more insight into the plan of salvation when it comes to the sanctuary. And just another thing we're talking about over the break, you know, when we look at our church buildings and, and things like that, um, often, oftentimes, uh, and I know my parents did this as well, because as a youngster, when I used to go help them clean the church, they said I wasn't allowed behind where the, where the preacher preaches because oh, yeah. it's the most holy place. And I respected it. I just did what mum and dad said. Mm. But um, I noticed a lot of Seventh-day Adventist churches, we've designed it similar to the sanctuary. Mm. And I, it's great because we want, to, we want to teach that theology of understanding the sanctuary. But at the same time, our church buildings are not the sanctuary. Yeah, and, that, and that's uh, something that I, I uh, <laughs> grapple with a little bit because I think people – there's, there's this real conflict between the reverence and, and the symbolism and the, the meaning behind mm-hmm. sanctuary versus it's not the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, and, and I bring that point, and I'm not trying to say to be irreverent. I just want us to understand that our church buildings aren't the sanctuary. The sanctuary is something that Jesus actually um, personified mm. when he came to earth and said, you know, basically I am the sanctuary, mm. and now... Those who follow me, you, you know, carry the sanctuary. And mm. so the sanctuary is a um, something that is heavenly or something that we see by faith now. It's something that is, according to Hebrews, it's something that's always, the plan of salvation and designs always been in heaven. And we understand it through Jesus Christ and we understand it through the way we worship and the way we conduct ourselves is how, uh, in fact, Philippians 3 verse 20 says that we are now ambassadors mm. of that kingdom. So mm. we're, we're pointing everyone to the same, um, the same uh, sanctuary, mm. you know, the heavenly and, sanctuary. And the building has less significance in that context now because, uh, as Jesus said to the woman at the well, you know, there's going to come a point in time. In fact, it's here now yeah. when you don't need to go to a particular building to worship. That's right. You know, and it, so whilst we do love to go to our buildings, to church and, and to fellowship together, we don't have to be in the building to worship. Amen. Amen. And in, 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 uh, just, to, just to cover my tracks there as a, as a pastor and as someone that wants to encourage people to get into church fellowship, mm. this is the same as saying, uh, like, I've had people say, look, David, I don't need to be at church to, to worship. And I believe that. Mm. But also at the same time, if you, if I stop going home to my wife and kids, if I stop going for four months, I can guarantee you that the relationship will, 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 will get weaker. You know what I mean? Well, so see, the Bible also says that we shouldn't uh, stop meeting together. <laughs> so, yeah, Hebrews 10, 23. But this is really important because God, even though God's using a physical, um, building to teach his people, there's a much bigger teaching behind it, which is pointing them to the heavenly sanctuary. And we start to see this in, uh, if we could read uh, chapter 2, verse 
Um, 16, 19, or did we already read 16? Yeah, 16 was, uh, the 19, 19, please. Yeah. It says, is there any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Amazing, right? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, in chapter one, we find that once they get spurred up by uh, Haggai's word, they think, this is indeed the word of God. God says, I will be with you. And then in chapter two, the people say, yes, we want to change our hearts. We want to follow God. Then God says, from this day on, I will bless you. And guess what happens to their barns and their vineyards and all their cattle? Guess what happens, Jason? I'm assuming that God was true to his word. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and as you said before in a break, in four years' time, they'd finished the temple. And we read in Ezra the celebrations and everything that comes with it. And it's amazing. And a promise is made to Zerubbabel. Uh, could you read on verse 23, please? That's the last. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. Signet ring. All right. Well, every time we see that signet ring, it's a sign of passing down of royalty. It's God choosing Zerubbabel. And what's unique about Zerubbabel, if you go to the lineage of Jesus, by technicality, you know, he's, he's in the line of Joseph, mm. right? And guess who's mentioned in Joseph's lineage in, in, um, in the Bible? I'm guessing Zerubbabel. Yeah. And then in Mary's lineage, guess who's mentioned there? Uh, the same. The same. Yeah. The only person that crosses in both lineages is Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel's the only one. What do we learn from this story? Everything comes back to Jesus being the ultimate uh, prince, high priest, the ultimate king and the ultimate high priest of the heavenly sanctuary, right? And so right now, we, we look to Jesus and right now we see, oh wow, um, he's, it's the rebuilding of that kingdom that we're being called to. You, me, everyone else that wants to follow Jesus Christ, that's your calling. Your calling is to rebuild the kingdom of God. If you mm. look at the way Jesus taught while he was here, he always referred to building the kingdom of God. And so the summary, the words that keep coming up in the book of Haggai is give careful thought. Mm, give careful consider. thought to your ways. <laughs> yeah. What, what's impure? Change it. Mm. You know, start, start um, call on Jesus to change that in your heart. And, and uh, wherever the trajectory is, have you given up? Well, don't give up. Grab onto the vision. Consider your ways. Mm. Go to Jesus Christ, the royalty. We, we need that renewing of our hearts, don't we? Amen. Yeah, and we need that. Vision, the passion, the, vision, the spirit, correct, correct, to uh, to drive us. Okay, well, next week uh, we're going to have Donna Shepherd joining us again. Yeah, she's here um, last week. You're going to be away next week because you've got some other activities yep. that you're heavily involved in. Looking forward to that. So I'll be speaking with Donna Shepherd next week, and uh, we're yet to get a title for that program, but she's always got lots of good things to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, uh, tomorrow we've got David Maxwell joining us, and I'll be hosting that program tomorrow titled The Wedding Feast. Ooh. So do join us tomorrow there as well. Remember our uh, offer for today, the Sanctuary Pure and Simple. Minor 5 is the code, M-I-N-O-R, and the number 5, text it in to 0488 880891. So, uh, David, 
I'm glad to be back. And <laughs> next week, uh, you're going to have a very busy week with some young people. Yes. At uh, Twin Camp. Twin Camp. Summer Camp. I hope that all goes really well for you, and I'm sure it will. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, we'll have everyone. you back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> or two or three weeks, I think. Is that yes, right? That's yeah. right. This is uh, Jerusalem by the Better Karma Adventist College Choir, Solomon Islands. It's a fantastic song. Mm. We'll talk to you a bit later and let's, uh, let's get together again tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. John saw a city that could not be here. John saw the city. Oh, yes, he did. John caught a glimpse of the golden throne. There's got to be more What will it be? I want to go To the city he saw New Jerusalem So